abstruse is sick at the moment as well oh man he's yeah he's we we both lost our voices in sydney which i thought was hilarious because when we were talking on the sunday it sounded like uh like fading rock stars <laughs> just <laughs> trying to order a coffee it was terrible and then like we're trying to deal with bronies and like growling at them do you want this pony kid <laughs> rainbow dash is awesome <laughs> Oh, I was a shocker, but that's that's how that's how hard we con. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beardy and the Geek. My name is Emma Takuna, and with me is Ryan Huff from Geek of Oz. How you going, guys? Yes, yes. He says guys because there's another person on the line with us. Uh, Ryan K. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey guys, uh, it's a pleasure to be aboard. And we are here to talk about Oz Comic Con, which is only a few days away. Uh, so really looking forward to checking it out in Melbourne and the new salubrious surroundings of the exhibition hall, I think it is. It's <laughs> a hope. fancy building. It's a, it's not like your typical convention hall. It's actually a lovely building, so I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. So have you been before to Oz Comic Con, or is this your first year? No, I went I went last year. Um uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I went. Uh, Stan Lee was the the guest of honor, yes. and I I got him to sign my copy of uh, Daredevil uh, number one. So I proudly came home with that and said to my wife, you know, the price of this thing has just you know skyrocketed. And she was like, you know, great. When are we going to sell it? And I was like, oh, never, ever. Don't be crazy, woman. Yeah, I rolled it up and I hit her with it. So. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, theoretically, we just we just made thousands of dollars in this trip, but in reality, <laughs> we've just got another thing I want to put on my wall. So uh, <laughs> she gets a, she gets a bit caught up with that dichotomy, unfortunately. But it was a really rad con. Although um, I can remember last year they um, they they had they had too many patrons that wanted to get in, and they had to sort of lock the doors for OH and S. And um and I I I didn't really get there in time and and should have been locked out, but I did that thing where I saw a massive line and I was like, I just want to make sure it's not the line for the toilets or the complaints or whatever. So I'm walking along and I'm just like, how long is this line? And I'm walking along and then a door burst open and this guy was like, all right, new entrance, people can come in. And nobody like paid him any attention. So I walked <laughs> over with my pass. I was like, can I come in? He's like, just, just start coming in people. What are you doing? So I, I walked in and it was only an hour later. I found out, uh, I think it may have even been hundreds of people got locked out and weren't able to get in. So, you know, for about three seconds, I felt like a, a real dick and then I got over it. So I was all right. <laughs> it's been many a second since then. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I feel I feel great about my decision now. <laughs> this year's Oz Comic Con is really interesting though because you seem to, it seems to be marketed on the strength of all the Australian comic creators that are coming along, such that, as yourself, you know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm at the bottom of that pile, but it's, it's a good <laughs> pile. I'll say that. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of really good Aussie talent, and um, I just like the fact that I can say that we have a lot of good Aussie talent. It's um, it's awesome to see the, the fantastic names that we have. Mm, exactly, yeah. And uh, as it happens, I'm going to give another mention now while we're talking about it, but I think the Friday before, uh, Frank Candeloro and Alicia Jade are having their Over the Moon launch. Yeah, they are. And typically that would be just you know one or two people having No, they got three more people in there with them. Uh, yeah. Brendan Halliday and Matt Nichols and uh, Matt Emery. So 
within that little subset, you've got a very broad selection of talents and a very broad selection of approaches to genre there. And all Australian, all, a lot of them from Melbourne as well, which is within the one area. That's quite a range. It's really cool. I think that's glad Frank's a good dude. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that book launch and then that book go really well. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. Excellent stuff. So on the weekend, you're going to be selling your own books there as well. So you've got uh, Fatherhood from Challenger Comics, and you were talking to Ryan about that at Supernova, I remember. Yes, yeah. I, I'm i really fond of this one shot. It's, um, it's I, 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 when I first sort of came up with it, I was like, oh, is, is it going to be hard to sort of sell? But um, I've managed to, It's uh, this will be the third con I've taken it to, and I've managed to come up with a really good pitch for it, which is, uh, it's about a guy who wants to get a doll for his estranged daughter. And um, when he can't, he sort of mentally snaps. So it's like uh, Jingle All the Way, everybody's beloved Schwarzenegger classic. But instead of turning into a really, really terrible movie, it becomes Sin City. And uh, then, uh, you know, hilarity ensues in the rain with car, car chases and tire iron fights. And uh, it's, it's emotional, but it's, it's got some really cool beats in it. And I, so- I, and I found once I told people that it was Jingle All the Way turns into Sin City, they were like, all right, I need to find out how you even managed to turn those two things into the one product. Hell, as long as it's not jingling all the way, you know. <laughs> oh, as long as it doesn't stay that. Oh, God, yeah. No. That, is a, that is a woeful movie, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just a one-shot, too, which is, uh, which is nice to just be able to say, you know, you know, people pick up just this one book and, and it's all you'll need. And um, it is. It's just about sort of like I gave this father a mental breakdown, basically, so I wouldn't have one. And um, I thought that was pretty crafty at the time, and I, I, I still seem to be of a sound mind. So um, I think it worked out. But it was, it was nice to tell a, you know a, a real story and sort of an emotional story that had, had something of what I'm going through at its core. Um, I find with my writing, I seem to flip flop between stuff that's really sort of really personal. Even if I take that personal sort of core and I wrap it in some sort of genre, it's still personal. And then. You know, on the other side, I just sometimes write just 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 flat out stories that, that that aren't drawing from my real life. So it is kind of cool to get a story and say, you know, if you read Fatherhood, I think you'll get a really good understanding of me as a writer, but also me as a man and me as me as a father. Mm. And I think that's pretty cool to do with 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 the media. I mean, that's what you want to do with media. You want to evoke, and I I feel and and I hope that this book certainly will um. Uh, uh, push people to think and uh, about other fathers and maybe about themselves as a father and you know what it's like because um, I write an essay in the back of that one shot too I just sort of talk about you know fatherhood's hard and Mm. and it's and it throws all these new emotions at you and and it's insane and I always find that um, writing is great therapy so I dumped it all into this book and uh, was lucky enough to have Daniel Schneider uh, a Canadian artist come on and, and draw it and I don't know. I when I first got his inked pages, and in, they really reminded me of uh, Gabriel Rodriguez on uh, Lock and Key. Yeah, I was and, actually I was just thinking as well. Like, um, it, it, there's a bit of Mike Alrod in there too. I don't know. Yeah, he's got he's got a really cool like when he's drawing all the mothers in the sound yeah. and trash him. Oh man, his faces are so cool. Hmm. He um he he is a really good dude, and he um he smashed it out of the park. And we got our uh, Paulina Gunnicher to do colors over the top, and she. She she's like the next Geordie Belair. She's amazing. So I was really really pleased to have those guys on my book. 
Mm. That's only 99 cents for those folks who are out there listening uh, from, I think it's challenger.com is where they can get it, yes? Uh, Read, read Read challenger.com, yeah. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. But the other thing I noticed, because I I listened to your uh, interview with Ryan, um, and Ryan did the cutaway to the Brony fans who were in the area. Yes, they were awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You have your My Little Pony Friendship is Magic one-shot as well. I I do. I wrote one of the micro-series one-shots, which was all about Rainbow Dash. Hmm. And, um, oh, man, it was so much fun to do. Like, I... I I loved writing that book. It was just it was like nothing else I'd ever done. I hadn't really done all ages before, and um, I got this pitch opportunity with IDW, and you know, you don't turn down those opportunities. But I will admit, when I first got the op, I was like, My Little Pony. Oh, I, I what am what am I gonna do? Like this is this is like the, I think they're trying to actually turn me away from the company, not bring me in. Like I I didn't get it, <laughs> um, just because I'd never really watched the show before, mm. um. But once I wrap my head around it, it's oh man, I, I snuck in a lot of like pop culture references and and went nuts with it. And the artist Tony Fleeks was amazing, and and his storytelling is really slick and and mm-hmm. superb. And he he brought these uh, these silly moments and these sort of brony meme moments to life. And uh, I, I think I think in the end it seemed to land with the fandom really well. And that's, you know, that's the biggest thing you want to see with a book like that. You want to be servicing the My Little Pony fans. And from what I can tell, they loved it. So um, that's that's a victory for me. I'm going to pick you up on the references in a moment because I've got a little checklist here. But I think Ryan <laughs> wanted to address the Brony fandom. Oh, yeah, I love I, it. I I sort of as much as Emmett himself is a is a self confessed brony. Definitely. Um, <laughs> like what what is it? Uh, I, um, not so much what is it, but what is it that um, defines a brony? Well, the bronies seem to be specifically the the, the bros who like ponies, I guess. Um, hence the portmanteau. And it's sort of it's dudes our age that just sort of dig on the show and and dig on the characters and dig on the stories. Um, I got to be honest, I don't know. And I was having this discussion in Sydney. I, like, we don't know why they're bronies, but there aren't like like bros out there all over the Powerpuff Girls or right here. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't. But they don't have like this 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 online presence. They're not like a they're a tribe. Whereas the bronies, they've really come out in force. And I mean, even here in Australia, we've got a really good brony contingent. And I don't know. I like. I I don't. I I can't pinpoint the origins of it, but. Um, be damned if they're not a cool fan base. I have, I've loved doing uh, book signings at my local uh, comic shop in Canberra, which is Impact Comics. They're only the the best comic shop, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere. So, I love them. And doing the, uh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> no, that's all right, man. Everyone's comic the comic shop is the best comic shop. Except, except when I lived in Newcastle, the, that one wasn't good. But. <laughs> You know, and I'm just he's no longer welcome in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I've like I, I did the signings at Impact and now at the cons, and the Bronies are awesome. I don't know, it's they're they're nothing but positive. I mean, you can't you can't love My Little Pony, especially as a dude, and be all like down and oh. and and a dick about it. Like these people are really just genuinely like into it. And I don't know, I'm I'm a I'm a real sort of like uh, energy vampire. So when they bring it, I'm like I bounce it right back. I suck it out of them. It's great. So. Um, not literally. Okay. <laughs> that film's life force. God no. I take, I take their brony quickening. 
It would be a little bit uh, a little bit weird though if someone was sort of oh, do you like Rainbow Dash, man? That's so lame. Oh, it's 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 wild, and I, I like a lot of people were like, "Oh, you're gonna have to deal with the bronies, and they're gonna trip you up, and they're gonna ask like intense questions." And they don't. They're just like, "Oh, I love the book," or oh, you know, especially um, I love the. I suppose you can't call them bronies, but like the little fans, the amount of little girls that come up to the table, and they're just like, "I really like Rainbow Dash," and I'm like, "Me too, hey, brohoof," and then um, you know, you <laughs> sign the book and you give it to them, and it's just. Oh, man. I mean, comics is one of those things. I'm not selling a lot of issues of fatherhood to, like, eight-year-olds. It's not happening. And there's something magical about – I mean, I, I fell in love with comics as a very little kid, and there's something magical about that time. Mm-hmm. And seeing these little people come up to my table, and I'm, like, getting the chance to to really engage with them is is totally rad. So um, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, I'm a primary school teacher uh, by day. And I know, um, like when I got the gig, I was teaching year five. So they're like uh, 10, 11 year olds. And, um, I had a few bronies in the class or, or Pegasisters, if you will. And, um, <laughs> they, they thought it was insane. They thought it was like over the moon that I got this gig. I, I had this new kid in my class though. And like, I announced it to my class cause I've got, I had a really cool class and this new kid was like, but Mr. Lindsay, I thought you were a man. And this other kid in class stood up and was like, what, Mr. Lindsay's little man? And I was like, all right, I've taught my kids well. They know how to like smack talk each other in class. <laughs> you know, Nothing you, else. When I spoke to you last weekend, you said that you'd all but sold out of your My Little Pony stuff, but you were organizing something else for Oz Comic Con. Oh, yes, yes. I, um, I've uh, been doing some back, back dealings with, uh, with, with a good friend of mine, Paul Abstruse, who's an Australian artist. And um, we're putting together two exclusive uh, prints for uh, Oz Comic Con. So there's, um, I've seen them both, and they're amazing. So we, we will have Paul's uh, regular uh, main six print with all the the main six ponies, but mm-hmm. um, he's also done one of just Rainbow Dash, and he's done another one with Tank, which uh, is uh, Rainbow Dash's uh, little offsider. And uh, who also appears in my issue, and oh man, the tank one is so good. It's Paul. Paul has talent. Paul has a lot of talent, and uh, these prints look awesome. And I, um, because I sold out of uh, all of uh, the issues that I had for Sydney, um, I took some of his prints and I was signing them and giving like uh, the characters little captions and things because I felt really bad because any of the bronies that turned up on Sunday. Didn't didn't get a look in. We sold out by about two thirty on the the Saturday, so I got these prints and I was signing them and 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 making them say stuff on the page, and uh, people really seemed to dig that. So I talked with Paul about getting these exclusive prints together just for Melbourne, and um, uh, it looks to be uh, we will have them all ready, and I'll be ready to make uh, uh, Rainbow Dash say some things on the page, which is going to be really good fun. Awesome. There you go. I heard it here first, folks. Um, and just for the record, I just want to say my favorite pony is Pinkie Pie because oh, yeah. she's, she's insane. <laughs> but but just to pick up on the references, as I said before, okay, so far I've got obviously yeah. the Blade Runner speech. Yeah, so you, have, yeah. you have the speech from the end of Blade Runner. You have Rainbow Dash dressed up like David Bowie. Yes. You have yeah. the goblins quoting Anonymous at one point. Or they seem to be. I don't know if you intended that, but they said, "Do not mess with us." Um, that wasn't intentional. Okay. Which which line is that? 
I think there's one bit where they say, do not mess with us or something. Oh, that's, I took that line from um, Fight Club. Oh. But I obviously couldn't drop the F-bomb in a pony comic, so they say mess. And then you have the original Apple logo in there as well. Yes. Or somebody did the Apple computer logo with the rainbow running through it. Yes. What else have I missed? I took I took a line from... Um, uh, there was a true Hollywood uh, uh, stories with Charlie Murphy from the Dave Chappelle show. Oh, when yeah. He's with, uh, when he's with Rick James... <laughs> And he, they're Charlie stomping Rick James, and he's uh, he's got legs like Linguini. Or when Rainbow Dash comes out of the the cloud and is all messed up, she's got wings. wings like Linguini. Um, very very subtle uh, reference there, but one that made me smile, nonetheless. Uh, we have a full page uh, homage to Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. um, with the uh, the the little TV screens, and I uh, also have uh, uh, Rainbow saying. Uh, uh, that she hasn't given everything, not everything, not yet. So I, I took a little Nolan Batman as well. Um, I tried to make the references either really, really like uh, small so that they weren't sort of uh, obtrusive or like I wanted them to fit the story. Like when I took the Tannhauser Gate hmm. from um, uh, Blade Runner, that is a very obvious lift, but one that I feel still serves the narrative. So I was, I was wholly happy with that. But um, it's it's interesting to try and sort of weave weave these references through and have a little fun with them. I mean, I've got the Simpsons quote in there: "The, the goggles do nothing." Yes, that um, was the other one. Yes, I also put in there. Awesome and, man. Yeah, because I found a lot of people um, a lot of people grabbed that uh, mm. reference really quickly and they loved it. Um, on the first page, though, they talk about the uh, uh, Summerfell. Is mm-hmm. the name of the festival? That's a it's a twist on uh, Game of Thrones as Winterfell. Winterfell. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, you're getting uh, all the meme meme friendly franchises in there now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what goes together better than My Little Pony and Game of Thrones, really? So all of these references so far, apart from The Simpsons, these are things. Even though you've sold a lot of books to eight year old girls, they should not be googling these things. Let's just <laughs> clear that up. Yeah, yeah, that would be really scary if they were just randomly googling lines and uh, ending up elsewhere. Um, one, one of the favorite things I didn't—it wasn't a direct reference. I'm actually—I'm finally just going through my notes now—is that lead-in description for Dash at the start of the book was done um, to sound exactly like the way uh, Stitch Jones is uh, is sort of introduced in a Heartbreak Ridge, mm. which is a Clint Eastwood movie from the '80s, and I um I I grew up on that movie, which. Having watched it again recently is horrific because, dear Lord, it is a, a swear-filled movie. Um, but I watched that a lot as a kid, so I was like, all right, how would I, do, how would I like it if I was at a thing, introduce Rainbow Dash? Well, it would be like Stitch Jones. You'd be like, the light refraction of satisfaction, and you'd get into it. And um, so that was a lot of fun, but something that's – it's not, I didn't lift any uh, specific lines. Mm. But um, – it was it was sort of like a I mean I I put in the script that uh, Rainbow Dash has her flight goggles on a lot and um, she should be sort of using them to emote much like Giles does in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with his glasses. Mm. Um, so it's it's nothing that you would pick up from what uh, reading the book, but it was something that Tony especially just sent me an email back and was like uh, it was our first sort of introduction with the script and he was like, all right, I see you're referencing. Uh, uh, Buffy and things like that. I think we're going to get along just fine on this book. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we certainly will. And Tony, man, oh, yeah, Tony's amazing. Tony Flicks, the artist, he just, he, he smashed it. He, I think he, 
I honestly believe he took my script and improved it. It's it is a holistically better story, and the lines read better just because of the way he's put it on the page. I'm I'm really happy with that. Yeah. Um, but on, on my site, I did a I did a rundown of uh, annotations of um of all the references that I put into the book. So I'll um I'll I'll send you a link to it uh, after we're done talking because there's there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, and I think that's what I, you know, you, you're putting a lot in there for readers to pick up on, and you're yeah. obviously putting a lot in there for your collaborators to pick up on as well. And that's a really interesting approach that you're taking there. Uh, it's very, very enjoyable for anybody reading. But what I also am interested in is whenever I read your tweets on Twitter and so forth, you're always talking about your process. You're always talking about, oh, I'm working on this script, or I've had this moment, or oh, what do yeah. you do in this situation? And once again, there's this transparency to that. I'm really interested in that, that you're sort of using social media to promote yourself, obviously, but keep everybody involved in what you're doing all the time. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge process now. Basically, like I, I use my Twitter... Uh, the way I wish like my favorite creators would use Twitter and some of them do. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I like to sort of lay bare how, how I do things. And I, I just find the way that people work and the way that you can work with writing fascinating because there's no one way to come at it. And especially with comics, there's so many different ways to create a page. And I mean, I listened to uh, a Grant Morrison recently on Kevin Smith's uh, fat man on Batman podcast and Grant Morrison was talking about how he draws the page first so that he can then script it and then send that script to an artist who will then draw the page. Mm. And that's nuts. And I, I didn't know that before. And I'm like, well, that's one way to do it. And then there are uh, – I, I run a, a podcast called The Process, and it's all about sort of the comic process. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't updated in, in, a, in a while. Um, I run it with uh, Jeremy Holt and Ed Brisson, and uh, Curtis Weeb uh, used to be a host. And uh, we've had guests on over the, the years that we've been running it. We had Joe Casey on, and he talked about that uh, he sort of he does a dialogue last. He just sort of maps out all of the um, uh, panels and, and breaks pages, and then he worries about captions and dialogues uh, dialogue later. Whereas I know Kelly Sue DeConnick does the opposite. Mm. She's a very oral, so she writes the conversations and then breaks those down. And I find I do both. It just depends on the scene, and it depends on the sort of structure that I'm going for. And I don't know, I find if I if I share that stuff and one person digs it, that's worth it. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long. And I oh, I don't know, I love Twitter. I absolutely I absolutely love Twitter. I think it's as a as a process tool, as a as an as a networking tool, as a as an open creative forum. It's amazing. And the the I mean, I was telling somebody recently, nearly every single writing opportunity I've had has stemmed from Twitter. Mm. My little pony included. So it's it's pretty wild that from a social media network I've I've received paying gigs that I wouldn't have had access or opportunity for in any other way and that's fun I don't know I like Facebook Facebook is something where I put up pictures of my kids so the rest of my family can see them because I'm too lazy to email them and be damned if I'm printing them out and sending them so that's that's done and that's sort of all my Facebook is if you looked on my Facebook page I just look like a really boring father um, which is which is just one aspect of me. Um, whereas if you go on Twitter, I just come across like a writer and a comic book nerd, which is very much another aspect of me. And I don't know. I I I know some people 
um, don't like that aspect of Twitter where people get on and they're like, oh, I'm writing this big shot script. Oh, I just wrote, you know, 10 pages today, you know, favorite this because I'm awesome. And it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of self-aggrandizing going on on Twitter and there's a lot of humble bragging. Mm. Um, and I, I and I get that and I, I sometimes see why people do it and I see why they're doing it in a good way and I can see sometimes why they're doing it in a, not a nefarious but just a, I don't know, people – People like to be seen to be doing. I mean, that's the whole idea of social media. Mm. I mean, mo- most people they don't they don't they don't seem to go to a movie so that they can watch a movie. They go to the movie so they can tweet about it later. <laughs> Ryan, maybe that's, maybe that's <laughs> hey man, I review films. <laughs> hey, you you were tweeting from the Man of Steel premiere. <laughs> I was. See, that's, 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 that's humble brag. Oh, but I, see, I, I have no problem with that. I, I follow people whose voices I want to hear. Like, if somebody I don't like on Twitter, I'd like, don't follow them. Mm. But don't look at their feed. Like, I, I know a few people that will follow other creators just to, what's it called? Hate view, I think. Just to, like, hate view their page and just be like, no, oh, I can't believe they're doing this now. Hate them. I'm like, no, don't don't bring that into your world. Like, that's insane. I I, I don't know. I, I find on Twitter there's a really good, for me at least, there's a really good crew of people breaking into comics. Mm. And I love it. There's there's support there, there's ideas, there's links, there's just general sort of chatter. Um, you need that because otherwise you're just sitting at your desk and you're alone. And we don't we don't want to be alone, man. <laughs> <laughs> well talking about not being alone as well. I mean, I'm going to attempt a rather vulgar segue here, but your your book for Secart, uh, The Devil is in the Details, you were you're an editorial role in this book and you're presiding over all these different writers and all you have a shared interest in Daredevil and a shared fascination with this Marvel character and each person who's participated in this book has taken a different aspect of the character and then run with it and then you get to sit over it all I just want to it's such a cool this is one of those literal dream projects I I, I still pick the book off my shelf and look at it and just go, I cannot believe this exists with my name on the spine. And it's about Dare, Daredevil. And uh, like Daredevil is my favorite character in modern literature. And and I find whenever I say that to people, they're like, why? Why? And I'm like, whoa, Captain Defensive. It's just my choice. It's all right. But no, I love him because he's such a such an intriguing character. And I love that as a spandex superhero, the man is more interesting than the hero. Mm. I find Matt Murdock is is just uh, astoundingly layered, and that comes from decades of being really well written, and from being a he is a B level character, which means the creators can sort of do their own thing with him, and his his rogues gallery is insanely good, and the the artists that they've had on there are just so good, and his supporting cast is dominant, and so I I pitched this book to Sec Secart, and um. I just I didn't know I, I didn't know what would happen to be honest. This was this was a while ago. This was a good year and a half ago. And um I was lucky enough to sort of be introduced to them by Tim Callahan, who still writes at um comic book resources and a few other sites. And he'd sort of mentioned uh, to them that, you know, I was I was I was a good dude and I was good, doing good stuff. So I they brought me in and I did a, an essay for a Transmetropolitan book. And as I'm usually want to do, I get a foot in the door and I decide to just like drive my car through it. And um, so I pitched this book, which is about, you know, a B character. Um, I don't know whether they dig the character. Sequard have generally only done books about DC, 
um, titles, I've noticed. More folks and uh, writers as well. That was something else I noticed. Most of their yeah. books are on people like Morrison or Moore, or whereas this yeah. is about a character. Yeah, that's right. And so I, 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 I tried to use that to my advantage and say, look, you guys haven't you know, explored the Marvel side. Let's do it. Let's bring it across. And I threw in a pitch of like, I think, 20 different essays that I would love to read. And being a Daredevil fan, it was easy to sculpt this book because I just sat there and was like, well, what would I want to see? And I, I threw that together and they said, all right, put together, you know, a, um, a, a sample essay. Pick one of the essays and write it. Um, you know, we usually sort of go between like three to 8,000 words. So just put together what you need and, um, and send that all in and we'll, we'll, we'll put it around the, you know, the, the corporate office table and we'll, we'll discuss it. So I put together a sample essay and it ran about 24,000 words. So, um, that may have been a bit of overkill. <laughs> <laughs> your 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 pieces are some of the longest in the book I've noticed as well. I think yeah, well, one certainly is, and one is uh, <laughs> is right up there as well. Um, but one of them, the, the one that was long that I pitched was about the love life of Matt Murdock. Yeah, this yeah. dude has been a player for decades, and there's there's so many interesting. And the more I sort of dug around and wrote about it, the more I had to write. And it was one of those things where every time I did an editorial pass, I was adding more layers to it and eventually sort of had to i ended up cropping i think good, a good four thousand words off it before it hit print but um i sent that in and they loved it and they really they really enjoyed my voice which i was appreciative of so we put the book together and so i sort of i had the war chest of sequat writers opened up to me and i sent out a word to them all and to a few other people that i know that hadn't yet worked for sequat sort of said that we're going to put this book together it's going to be the ultimate know what would you want to write and we've got uh, we've got an essay about like how the science of daredevil that was a really good uh, one. yeah i like that one i loved that one because yeah. i'm not scientific <laughs> i i dropped science in year 10 uh like because as soon as I, as I knew i didn't need it for the hsc it was gone so i'm not really scientific but that essay not only could i edit it but i could understand it i could read it and i could enjoy it what, what i really yeah really what i really liked about it was it, it challenged the yes. pseudoscience of the book and yeah. then sort of said, although if you were, if this were to happen, maybe it could work. And I liked that. Yeah. I sort of explored it a bit more. Yeah, as scientists. And that was like a four, four person French mm. science team put that together. They didn't come at it with like, uh, like their own preconceptions, which I thought was cool. They seemed really open. So like that, that's a really fun one. We've got uh, sort of comparisons between Daredevil and Punisher and then Daredevil and Spider-Man. And they're two really good essays. Um, we sort of look at, uh, you know, the, the fatherhood concept. We look at Hell's Kitchen. Uh, we look at Mike Murdoch, who is one of the best characters ever in Daredevil history. Uh, I looked at Brubaker's run um, and sort of how it corresponds to sort of 70s cinematic noir. Uh, you, pitch, because... you pitch Daredevil as a Scorsese film. Oh, I find yeah. that fascinating. You know, I find oh, that... that was a really neat idea. I like done. that. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's I think he's he's a really sort of really good ground level character. And yeah, I, I mean, I love Martin Scorsese and his movies. And so I, I, I could really see that comparison creating a superbly interesting Daredevil movie. Mm. And I mean, after suffering through a Daredevil movie that I wouldn't categorize as superbly interesting, um, I'd like to get one, you know, and, and it seems like we came close with Joe Carnahan just recently, but yeah. uh, I have faith with Daredevil back in the folds at, at Marvel uh, movies that they, they will figure out how to do them well and do them right. For, I, for folks listening as well, there's there's two more essays in there I really wanted to touch on. One was actually the, the brave chap 
who attempted a defense of the Daredevil movie. Yeah, Block. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting. Interesting because I I didn't really agree with his essay, mm. but as an editor, I didn't feel that was my position to be like, you know what, Jeff, maybe you should think this instead. I was just like, no, run with it, man. Like uh, that's that's the whole idea of you writing your essay. And I just sort of then had to bite my tongue and be like, yep, that's your view of the movie. If anyone wants to know mine, they can talk. I mean, I don't. I don't hate it. I mean, I find it, I find it sadly watchable. Um, he made the point, and I think it's a very good point, and I remember thinking when I came out of the film as well, Colin Farrell was brilliant in that movie. Yeah, Farrell absolutely. was a lot of fun. And, and I would happily watch it just for those bits. Yeah. That was, that was fine. Everything else was, was pretty low, low bar, but, but Colin Farrell was amazing. Yeah, he does do a killer bullseye, but everything else. And I am a huge Ben Affleck fan. Mm. And and have been for years, and I can remember when it was coming out. I was like so excited, and I took my uh, my girlfriend at the time and her best friend. I took them to see it, and that was just a rookie call because man, they took the piss out of that movie. <laughs> I just walked out angry, angry at them, angry at the world. Oh, that's the worst. I gotta put on a mask and fight crime now. <laughs> <laughs> Something had to be done. Man. But the other essay as well, which was really interesting, was Darius's piece on Chichester. And oh, yeah. Grace. Now, I'd never read that run, and because we oh, have really? comicsology, you know, we we can access all the stuff. It's all yeah, yeah. Now. Um, I'm going to hunt down that run after reading Darius's piece because I actually thought that was really interesting. It's, sort of alternate take on on a piece that's been neglected now. It's really well written because, quite honestly, that that run is like it's lampooned now. It yeah. is just. Um, but he's, he's a hundred percent right. And he sort of opened my eyes to a few other aspects and it has some quality in there and it just sort of, it did a few things that were very nineties or the nineties did a few things to it or however that sort of tussle went, but he had some, he had some cool stuff in there and it's the, um, I always get the two, uh, he did last rights and then fall from grace and it's last rights that is, it's sort of like a bookend to born again. Mm. And and it's, I mean, it's very much, it's very much like, and it feels like a lot of creators did this. They wanted to do their Valentine to Frank Miller. Um, but it's, it's done well. It's actually, it's actually quite, it's quite well written. It's just maybe, it, it maybe just leans a little too heavily on born again. And that's hard to do because born again is so, so good until the very, very final act. Um, which I didn't like at all. I didn't like, I don't like nuke. I, I, I feel like every time I read Born Again, I'm happy to stop when Nuke appears and just say, "All right, we're done. We're done now." Because the start of it is so is is perfect. Yeah. The start of Born Again is perfect, and so I found that uh, Last Rites is 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 good. is a very good bookend. But I mean, how are you going to match Miller at his height? That's mm. it's one of those things. And I don't know. I I I, I got asked the question by um. Uh, a guy who uh, who I know and runs a, a, a comic website. His name is uh, Danny uh, Jelasevich. He sort of asked me, "Would would you ever want to write Daredevil?" And then uh, I I pinned him down for about forty minutes explaining what my Daredevil run would be. So um, <laughs> that was that's always fun to play that sort of fantasy football stuff. And it very much sort of wouldn't wouldn't mm-hmm. be Frank Miller's take. I just don't think I don't think it it needs that. Um, I mean, you can go dark, but you don't you don't really need to completely rely on on frank because there's been so many so many other good runs and so many varied runs um, what, what do you think of the mark wade the current sort of swashbuckling it started on? and i loved it and yeah. i was like yeah this is awesome and then i don't know i think it was somewhere in the teens i was like oh okay this is this is still a really good book 
and that's no problem. I I'm very happy to have a good Daredevil book. Um, but now with the last like maybe three or four issues, it's just superb. Oh man, um, the storytelling and uh, Somni's art. Somni's incredible, man. Oh, he's just so good. Um, yeah, they're what they I was telling a mate uh, of mine recently. He was sort of asking me how this Daredevil run's going, and I sort of explained the major beats, and he was like. Oh, I thought I thought Mark Wade was yeah, doing like a pop up beat swashbuckling version, and I was like, "Oh no, he's kind of ruined Matt Murdock's life again." So, uh, <laughs> you know, there we are. <laughs> but I have no problem with that. Like, it's when it's done this well. Mm. I, I I don't really care. I I care about I care about good stories, and we're getting one right now. And and realizing that this whole run, um, is just one big thick narrative. That's um that's really cool. I think that, and it's, and it's, and watching that sort of big run pay off is exactly, that's, that's what I like sometimes. And it's, but, it's working 100% right now. What, what I love about the run at the moment is it's not necessarily, the, the conflict isn't, isn't related to things that are happening to Matt himself, but are, uh, you know, they're external to him and things that he yeah. has no control over whatsoever. Yeah. And it's sort of yeah. that, that sense of helplessness that, um, you know, I mean, you're a superhero, but, you can't fight cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I no, think it's, it's so simple, but well, that's what I mean. You you look at what Mark Wade does when he grabs the title. He always manages. He boils it down to its like core element, and then he's just like, all right, how could I tweak this ninety degrees that no one's ever done before? And I mean, the whole idea that um, Daredevil, that Matt Murdock is being being targeted i'm trying not to say spoilers um Mm. but anyone who's read it will get what i'm saying he's being targeted so specifically that somebody is hitting him right in the emotional bullseye um that i think it's fantastic i think i did that well all right (laughs) (laughs) good work well um well you have written two essays for this collection as well so we, we already mentioned the romance one which I thought was very interesting because you seem to be writing it almost in a romantic style. You use very romantic language in it. Um, oh, thank the, you. the sentences are long and descriptive and flowery, and you know it's it's interesting approach because I, I thought I, it felt like I was reading a romance comic, you know, from the the classic oh, era, you know, you know that kind of approach. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, but the other piece you've done is the noir attempt where you're yeah. challenging you're challenging the, the view that, that, is, yeah. yeah everybody says daredevil was a noir character and i'm just like well uh, if by noir you mean pulp yes but noir means like not a happy ending and I, i'm worrying that my belaboring at this point is going to make me look like a massive tool i don't know but um the whole idea of noir isn't just oh it's you know it's a shady sort of dark scene or whatever no it means a bad ending it means the person means your lead character is spiraling into darkness that is what noir is and everyone sort of says daredevil is noir but he always has a happy ending so um i find that i mean he the the, the closest uh he probably really got before and the only other real noir ending would be um the the fact that electra died Mm. And and really did die at that time. I mean, the next issue he digs up her bones and she's dead. Like it's it was one of those things where Miller really just dragged Matt down, beat him, and then left him in the gutter. Every other time he he doesn't. He he's he's got like uh, really sort of pulp endings. Um, but I mean, look at the end of Born Born Again. That's a happy ending. Like it's it's 
there's a difference between sort of a, a, a pulp and crime and then noir. Um, but I find Brubaker and his run and Brubaker's run is, um, is my favorite. I, I, I would say Frank Miller's initial run is the best. Mm. Um, but Brubaker's run is my favorite just because I don't know the art from Lark, the overarching story, the fact that he's so willing to drop not just one, but two sour endings on a lead character. Um, I think it that shows guts. Hmm. Like it's it's a, it's a really like it's a really hard time for Matt in in the entirety of Brubaker's uh, massive run, uh, uh, Brubaker and Lark. And you sort of look at how that worked and how things progressively sort of got worse throughout that run, especially the whole Mister Fear arc. I love that Mister Fear arc. I'd I'd love to see that in in a movie. Hmm. Um, I think that as like a second movie would be insanely good. Um, I just, I really loved that run. So the chance to get to write about it was, 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 was yet another dream come true within a project that itself was a dream come true. So, um, yeah, I, I hope I, I hope I did Brubaker proud. Yeah. You saying you saying his praises quite, quite highly as well, but what, what I was yeah. thinking when I was reading it was, um, you know, Robert Altman did that film, in the seventies, the long goodbye, which is a Philip yes. Marlowe film, you know, where he goes to LA or he's yeah. in LA. Uh, so you've taken this noir character and you've put him in this bright, sunny, uh, vaguely comedic setting. Uh, cause he's arguing with the hippie girls next door. And at one point he puts blackface on, he starts acting out. And <laughs> it's, it's a very, I love this movie. It's a great movie, but yeah. whenever I watch it, I always think of Gerber's San Francisco run of daredevil. Because yeah. that was the same approach. He took Daredevil from New York, from Hell's mm. Kitchen. He brought him to San Fran. And I thought that... Because they, they came out roughly around the same time. I think it was yeah. 73, 74. Yeah, um, was. So I, I was wondering, was there a knock-on... Did one inspire the other? Or was there some relationship there at all? But both were challenging the understanding of what noir is. Both have this, I've basically said, noir can happen in the daytime. Yeah. And I thought yeah, that was a yeah. really good point. I found I found by the time Gerber got his hands because it was after um, uh, I want to say it was Conway and Colin that took yeah, um, was, yeah, was... <clears throat> the that took the whole um uh, Black Widow romance and tried to then they made it a team up book and then once they gave it to Gerber it was just like all right here's this here's this book in San Fran and you know do you know do do what you will with them and with it and I mean it's probably the most interesting failure on the Daredevil book. But unfortunately, I mean, I use the term failure very loosely. I think, I think Gerber's run, it's definitely one of my favorites. It's, uh, it's just so insane trying to, like different things. And he's just throwing things out there and he's got Daredevil in space. And I get, he's pushing the boundaries of where will Daredevil work. Mm. And he certainly found where he sort of wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in a really, in a really interesting way. And I think happy failures for me, uh, more interesting than really generic successes, really safe successes. Mm. So it was cool to see. I like, yeah, Gerber's run is 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 one of those things where after you've read a lot of Daredevil, you you've got to seek out Gerber's run and just go, oh, okay, because uh, you've got like Yuri Geller guesting in there, and you've got like Manball, and I love Manball. Manball is a a big favorite of mine <laughs> of, uh, of of dead and i'm not even like i'm not being ironic about it or anything like that i love manball and i know exactly what should happen with that character now because he could be used now and 
it's probably just never going to happen. There you go, Marvel. <laughs> There's your pitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll win their appetite. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. But yeah, I'll have the books with me in Melbourne. Um, stuff. And I've also got um, I've got a book from Crime Factory called Lee, mm-hmm. which is like the coolest idea ever. It's short stories about and starring Lee Marvin. Cool. And I just don't know how it's not like... Like the the problem is, I talk to people about it, and they're like, "Oh man, that sounds so awesome." So who's Lee Marvin? And I'm like, oh. "Well, point break, man, come on." Yeah, it's just sort of, it's just sort of killing me, and um, I, I I just sort of find that obviously uh, Lee Marvin has had his day, and uh, which we're trying to bring it back, and it's such a cool little, pr- it's a prose book, it's it's uh, short stories. Man, I'm gonna have to edit that. I said point break. I meant point blank. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> audience, people are like, wait, Keanu? What? <laughs> Lee? Was Lee Marvin the old dude? <laughs> Cat Baloo, They're wearing dude. Lee Marvin masks when they rob banks. That's no, wait. Um, yeah, he's such an amazing actor. So I got to write a short story in that. So I've still got a few copies of that that I'll have uh, uh, with me as well. And that's um, that's something that I, I put into a few hands in Sydney and I was really happy. Like when it, it's, it's like the Daredevil book. When it finds a home, it finds the right home. Whereas um, if you don't want the book, like you don't, you don't want the book. Like it's like you either want to read essays about Daredevil or you really don't. Um, <laughs> and I'm cool with that. Um, so it's, it's nice that when somebody wants to, you're like, oh, I know you're going to dig this book. All right, have at it and enjoy. So, um, yeah, when, uh, when I'm in Melbourne this weekend, I'll have the pony. I'll have a few issues of the pony book and I was able to snavel up. I'll have the two. Well, I'll have the three Paul Abstruse prints. The two con exclusives. I'll have the Daredevil book. Um, also, my my uh, romance essay from the Daredevil book was published as a what's called a sequence single. So you can buy just that essay, um, all uh, roughly 20,000 words of it, for $5, uh, which is really cool. I'll have Fatherhood, which I just love selling that book. Um, and I also have a few copies of the Oxymoron anthology from uh, Comics Tribe. So uh, that sold really well. So I, I, I am uh, predicting a sellout. Uh, for that book from me in Melbourne, so uh, uh, that'll be really fun. Excellent stuff. Well, look, uh, look forward to seeing you there, and keep a copy of Lee aside for me, will you? And I'll, I'll grab that off you too. Uh, I I won't sell out. Don't <laughs> 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 I was being nice. <laughs> um, excellent stuff. Well, listen. Um, best of luck for the coming weekend. Um, Thank you. Looks like it's going to be a great show. Can't wait. And yeah, um, I love. As I said. Uh, folks out there, if they're interested in the Daredevil book, it's on Amazon as well. You can get it for your Kindles too. You can download from sequart.org if you need. But the man himself has it, <laughs> so you can buy it off him, and that'd be nice I, too. I even sign it and I put a pair of Daredevil horns in it. So there you uh, go. No excuse. That's enticing. I, I I was pitching that to the people up of you know the other who won't be making it down to Melbourne. Um, but yeah, it's it's oh. a fine. It's a fine book, and it's 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 great to have all these people come together and actually talk about this one character in this in a very smart way. Thanks, love. Well, uh, Ryan, I'm going to the next con. You don't get to come to this one. No, I don't. As much as I'd love to, because I hear that uh, Oz Comic Con is is the creme de la creme, but um, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Very good. I just want to touch base on one last thing. Yeah, before man. we sign off, I know it's been a whole uh, a whole long show, but. You've gone from strength to strength. I mean, you've gone from reviewing comic books, talking about comic books, to making comic books. How, like, 
as much as you, I'm sure that you could speak to us for a long time about how that came about, but how mind blowing is that for you? It's, it's insane. Like I, I've wanted to be a writer since like, you know, grade three, like I, and, and, and knew I would be. And so to now be in a position where I, I feel like I can just say I'm a writer, I write stuff and it appears in the world is, is insanely cool. Like I, I, I don't take it for granted at, at any stage and I'm insanely thankful of the people who have given me chances to, to write little things for them or big things for them. But, um, it's, it's like, yeah, I, I no doubt about it constantly. Like just before we spoke, I was, um, I was proofing some pages for an upcoming project and I'm just sitting there going, this is so cool. Like this guy in Canada is making this stuff come to life and I'm a world away and I'm checking it out on my screen. And I even looked at one of the panels and was just like, Oh, that's perfect. Like I'm, I'm constantly like shocked and, and loving loving being around like I, I couldn't stress that enough it is it is it is a lot of fun um it is hard work um it is a lot of work um i i have to say and i i feel like i'm getting this word out which is good i have to thank my wife with without her supporting me doing this man it would be so hard we have two very little kids and without her stepping up and saying yeah yeah go go for the weekend you know two two weekends out of three weekends i just disappear and she's she's stuck at home, uh, uh, tending to two of them now with with no help through the nights. It's things like that where I'm just like, to have somebody that believes in you, it one it makes you feel really supported and like ah oh, I must be doing all right. But two, it's a real gun to the head. You're like, don't blow it, man. Don't blow it because otherwise you'd feel terrible. So yeah, it's um, it's I like yeah I I absolutely I love the support that my wife gives me and um. It it just it just everything builds together to, to to make what hopefully is now you know early step towards being a career come to light and uh, with what I've got coming forward um, and I, I might even tell you guys uh, after after we hang up so sorry got everybody else you can't hear but I'll tell you guys what I've got coming up and uh, it's exciting <laughs> it's it's super exciting and, and it shouldn't be anything but um, you shouldn't look at things and go oh this is hard work like no. It's a dream. That's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, they do say that behind every great man, there's a great woman. So um, where can people find you online? The best place to find me is, is Twitter, which is at Ryan K. Lindsay. Um, and from, from there, you can usually sort of hub out to everything else. Um, I have a website, which is RyanKLindsay.com. Uh, I have a Tumblr, which is very much like, it's like uh, for anyone who's read Lock and Key, it's like using the head key on me. Um, you can really peer inside. Uh, my Tumblr is... I, I, you know, Tumblr dot Ryan K Lindsay or whatever, however they structure their <laughs> stupid URLs. Um, but it's Ryan K. I try to keep everything very, very similar. Ryan K Lindsay everywhere. So between my site, the Tumblr, and uh, a Twitter, especially, and I link to everything on my Twitter. Um, and in my head, everybody uses Twitter, but then I go out into the real world, and everybody's like, "Man, where can I find you on Facebook?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, if you want to see pictures of like me and my kids in the bath, go for it." <laughs> So yeah, that's where you can find me online, and generally you will find me online. I, I when I whenever I'm writing, I'm on Twitter, which I probably shouldn't be, but I find it it's a it's a good workflow. I think I don't know. I could probably do like three times as much writing if I wasn't on Twitter. It's probably the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> you have a very good dialogue going with people, as you were saying before. So uh, you know, it's it's great that you are so accessible to people, and they can just say hi and 
you can just be open with them about your process and what what you're involved in, what you're working on. So it's really cool how you do it. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if anyone ever wants to come at me with questions or anything like that, I'm usually like, oh, I'm I'm all up for it. I if if this uh, super double sized podcast has proved nothing, it's that I am very talkative <laughs> and that I love you know I love comics and I love craft and I love process. So yeah. Um, Feel feel free to come at me, guys. But be prepared to you know pack a coffee and brown bag lunch because we could be a while. <laughs> as always, folks, you can find us on iTunes as well. Uh, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show and b and the g dot com. So until next time, all the best, and hopefully I'll see you at Oz Comic Con. Have a great Oz Comic Con, guys. Cheers. <laughs>